On today's show, we are talking who's got next. Who are the next characters, comics you should be adding to your collection, eyeing to get them uh, into your life, in, 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 in your, into your stack as, as soon as you possibly can. Because you guys, this this world that we're living in, it's on fire. Characters and, and comics that are just lighting up. I am fresh from a major show, WonderCon, and, and, and I'm coming back to you and reporting to you definitely the stuff that you should be on the lookout. Um, some tips going forward, especially in regards to your consuming and your collecting. But who are the characters that you need to look out, out for next? Not only characters, creators. Who are the creators you need to look out for next? I have some names, people I absolutely dig names that I think are just finding their absolute peak groove that you should be in, involved with, chasing their work down. If you haven't already, who are they? I'm going to tell them. I'm going to tell you all about them today on an all new Observations. Hello, everyone. Welcome to yet another edition of Observations. I am your host, appropriately named Rob, which is why they are Observations, And these are my observations of pop culture and comic books as they have mashed up to make the world that we live in. And boy, are we going to get more into that today. I have been fortunate to been have been making comic books that are now part of the culture for 35 years. Uh, very exciting. Was hired as a teenager. Never looked back. Was never prepared to really do anything else but make comics, and it's uh, always great to meet other, you know, um, up-and-coming uh, talents as I have been able to meet, sometimes interact with, and actually hire and give work to over all of these last years, especially when I became a, a publisher about five years into my career, along with uh, my, my, my partners who, when we started Image Comics together. This podcast is now a couple years old. I, I, I mentioned that because I really wanted to make note that today on today's show, I would start off by thanking all of you. I've mentioned my career. I've mentioned this podcast both briefly, but uh, the memories aren't brief. The body of work isn't brief. Uh, I have really poured everything I have possibly had into uh, forging this career and building it, and I would, got, I, I would not be anywhere without uh, your very fortuitous, uh, gracious, um, blessed participation. I, I, I just want to say thank you. This At the beginning of today's show, I want to say thank you. Uh, if you've ever bought my work, if you've ever come to one of my signings, uh, if, if you've ever cheered my career on in any way, shape, or form, uh, I just I just wanted to say thank you. I, I, I sincerely, from the bottom of my heart, cannot express to you enough uh, how grateful I am that you have been a part of my career, have walked alongside my career, uh, just as I walked alongside so many other amazing careers. But, but this is, this is, uh, something that, you know, if you go to a convention and you interact with people as I did this last weekend at WonderCon, the 2022 edition, the first since 2019, uh, you know, you, you just, you, you are humbled. You are reminded when you drive away, this is a great show in the regards that when I leave it, they, they pull my car up 
at the hotel and I get to go in and I'm home in about, you know, 15 minutes. I, I'm, I'm born and raised in Southern California. I live in Orange County. So having an Orange County comic show is one of my favorite things, period. And uh, I, I always enjoy, as I've, as I've mentioned in other shows, this particular show, WonderCon, uh, it is an extension of the San Diego Comic Con, the Comic Con International, I guess they now call it, because they dropped the San Diego a while ago, so I always forget to do that, but they're Comic Con International. So WonderCon is a Comic Con International show, and uh, I, I, I thought they threw a great show. I'm going to get to that in a minute, but I just want to say thank you. And if this in this, uh, in this last year, if you've... Uh, you know, bought any one of my 30 Deadpool variant covers that we did celebrating Deadpool's 30th anniversary, I, I want to say thank you. Thank you. If you bought the X-Force 30th anniversary one shot, I want to say thank you. If you uh, bought my Snake Eyes uh, uh, Dead Game uh, miniseries and, and the collection, I, I want to say thank you. I want to extend to you all my gratitude, any of the variant covers. If you've come to any of my signings, Again, I just want to express to you my 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 thanks. I uh, I am living the dream. I have put the work in to making that dream happen. But uh, you guys have carried me for all these years, and and I hope it, there's many years to come. But I just wanted to start today's show by saying thank you and thank you for listening to this show. Thank you for sharing the love, spreading the word, talking amongst your peers. Uh, again, it's something that's becoming a common discussion, and I enjoy it so much. Sometimes if you guys find me quizzing you instead, it's because I want to know what you are enjoying and what you're into so that I can apply it. Um, so that's a benefit. Again, the gratitude is sincere. Thank you so much. That is a benefit when I'm when I when I meet with and see so many of you. Uh, th- that that's the benefit of getting out and attending a show. I have been very, uh, uh, you know, I would say for the lack of a better word, aggressive. In, in, in the pandemic in going to where there were events being held and finding people. It's kind of the lifeblood. It's the juice. It's the energy. I, I love participating. If you've come to one of my store signings, uh, I always try to, I, I do make it a part of uh, the store signing that you get a comic book signed for free. Generally, it's what is what else, whatever is coming out that, you know, that, that week or around the period that I'm, I'm, uh, or maybe the biggest project that that was released either uh, the week of or in the weeks to come at whatever signing I'm doing with you guys. Uh, but I always try and 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 make it something where I'm giving back to you guys, and uh, so that so that there, there's there's not any pressure on you that you don't have to. The great thing about a store signing, by the way, the, the generally the, the the parking is free, the free admission to the store. And then it, it just takes, it alleviates so much of the financial pressure of interacting with the creator, which is what I try and do when I do my tours. The uh, a convention obviously is a little different, but I, I, I value that interaction equally as much. Again, because now, you know, you have extended uh, a fair amount of money to get in. And over the pandemic, I did both. I did stores and I did conventions. And, uh, you know, I, I got my shots. I got my shield. I just, I, I looked at it as a shield and, and, you know, whatever the controversy about, you know, the shots and the boosters and it, it just, it was lost on me and it continues to be lost on me. It was my choice to get the shield. I got what I call the shield in, in maybe at my, in, in my fifties, I figured I, I could use the extra help in getting out and reaching you. And I wanted to let you know that if it was something that you were concerned with, 
that I had taken care of business on my end to make it easier for you. And I mentioned in the last year, I went to New York, I went to Chicago, I went to uh, Arizona, I went to Florida, great fun trip through Florida. Every state had a different outlook, a different viewpoint, but it was fun. And it was fun getting to see you guys. And, and, and uh, so, 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 so when I say I was aggressive, I have definitely put a lot of appearances under my belt. Uh, for many people here at WonderCon, they told me this was their first show back in many, many you know, many moons. Some have not been to a show in three years, some two years. And again, LA Comic Con was up the street, 45 minutes in uh, right around Christmas. Um, each show is getting back on its legs. The enthusiasm at WonderCon, I would say, was pretty, pretty big, but everyone has a different viewpoint. Every single person has a different viewpoint. What I try and bring to you guys is what I think are shared viewpoints, shared viewpoints of the show. Because again, right before I popped on here on social media, a guy made a comment. How was everyone's WonderCon? And I was fascinated. Mine was great. In case you're asking, I had a great time. I had a fantastic time. The guys at Hot Flips, they sell plastic, the the, the, the plastic uh, guards for your comics, the, the, the plastic guards for your prints. Hot Flips is a huge carrier of, of all of, again, the protective services for your valuable comics, prints, uh, you know, photos that you buy from celebrities. And uh, they are always so generous. And I signed there, and I w- we were facing Artist Alley. It was a fantastic spot. It was a great interaction. I really enjoyed it. And uh, so I had a great show. But I read, you know, on social media, some people's extremes. In, in I mean, really, like, like there were high highs, and there are apparently low lows. What I try and bring to you is what I believe is the middle ground, is, is kind of what I think is undeniable about the show. The show was very packed. There was a lot of people. It was um, more crowded than I anticipated, given given that the the mask effect was still happening, which is one a couple of the people who did not have the better experiences completely write it off. That people stayed away, except I didn't see people staying away. I saw people there, but I think I guess in their mind they wanted it even more crowded, and felt that the restrictions with the masks and the testing was still keeping people away. So you know maybe there's got to be some part of that that's true, I guess. But I saw a lot of people. And the vendors who are my friends, who I haven't seen in a while, people, some people traveled across country to set up at WonderCon and, and, and really represented kind of their first big, you know, uh, uh, like, like an Illinois guy coming out to Anaheim is, is like the old days. You know, you, you game planned, you budgeted, you're, you're, you're getting out of your comfort zone. And, and everybody I talked to in that realm that I've known for 20 years, they had a great, they, they had a they had a great show. They, they, they moved comic books. They moved omnibuses. They moved trade paperbacks. Uh, the toy people, the Funko people, they were all doing great. Uh, my friends who were local, uh, who always are very aggressive at the shows. Of course, uh, you, you know, Jimmy J, we're going to get him back on the show whenever his uh, schedule, you know, um, frees him up. He's, he's extremely busy with his uh, uh, amazing Comic-Con shows and his retail businesses. And of course, you see his dedicated stuff over at Frankincense. And that's always interesting to me too, guys who have booths, of which there were many at Frankincense, which is a dedicated weekend every, you know, 52 weeks a year. They have a, it's a giant pop culture comic book, um, you know, market uh, that, that is, that is, that is, it's Wednesday, Saturday and Sunday. So a lot of those guys have their booths that were there on Saturday and Sunday, and then they're going all the way to Anaheim to this big show. But let me tell you what I, my big takeaway from the show is, <clears throat> uh, and it combines original art, it combines comic books, it combines signatures, all of it is uh, that the values 
are really um, increasing across the board and there is a new floor, just like in our town that we live in and the surrounding kind of counties. Um, my, my wife's father, has he, he was winning award after award after award for 20 years, being the biggest retailer in the county or the firm because he was so aggressive and he knows his real estate. And again, uh, you know, people want to know, are these, are these prices, are, you know, these, these home prices going backwards? And again, I'm a homeowner. I'm 50, the guy who you're talking to right now, you know, I have properties. I, 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 I own homes. And so I'm telling you, you know, that, uh, that, that, that it's, it's something that people discuss when they're out to dinner and they're not going to discuss comic books and they discuss their assets and their portfolios and it gets kind of boring. But when you have kids, that kind of stuff is interesting, but real estate, uh, has kind of a new floor. They said that the, the, the prices that are there are really not going to drop significantly. It's the new floor. And, uh, and, 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 and this is like something different in the last five years. I mean, things grew fast and now they're holding. Why am I telling you this? I believe the exact same thing is happening, has happened in the comic book world with original art and with all your key books and your back issues. Uh, I, I, I went and I shopped on Sunday and I went and saw some of my favorite guys who were selling original art and there's a cover to a comic book that I wouldn't pull the trigger on in 2017 and I wouldn't pull the trigger on 20 in 2018 and in 2019 it sold and that cover was $18,000 and that's a lot of money. I mean, that's a car, right? That's a, that's a, that's a nice car. $18,000 down payment on a nice car or it's just a complete, it's just a car. So I, uh, I didn't pull the trigger on it. And then one day I went and the guy's like, you should have bought it for me. Another dealer, uh, who, the guy who had it said, you should have bought it for me. I told you it was going to sell. It sold. And then it changed hands and it went to an East coast guy. And I figured it was something I would not see again, but knowing how the prices are going up with the auction houses, with heritage, with comic link, with comic connect. And these auctions are definitely having a profound effect on your collectibles. And, and we're going to connect this and keep this going in a minute about your, 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 your comic books, because again, this, this is all part of the tapestry that I'm unrolling now. And if, if you listen to this show, the, the very word tapestry will summon thoughts of Stephen Platt and how happy he should be that we're even saying the word tapestry. So with, uh, with the values of the art, this cover that I didn't buy for 18 and it disappeared. I looked at it every year. I thought about it, but I just couldn't justify it. The bottom line is I like the artist on the cover, but I don't like, uh, I don't believe the value will be retained in, in, in the fact that the comic that the, the art is on the cover, uh, is, is, is a long canceled title. It, It hasn't been around that iteration of it hasn't been around, but I love the artist and, uh, I don't think that, uh, that, that, that this, this cover will carry its value. I have to look at that. I do think about that when I am spending uh, any sort of my, uh, you know, money that could go towards my kids schooling or helping them in the future or my wife and our, our retirement, I have to think, you know, what, what, what I just can't buy it. Cause I like it, especially at these prices. I have to consider this. So this is what I was thinking in 2017, 2018, 2019. Well, I didn't pull the trigger. It left. It goes to this East coast guy. He's a really nice guy. I figure it's going into his forever collection. It's gone. And then it reemerges. And I see it on a photo on the back of a wall at a recent show. And I wonder if that guy is going to have it when he comes to WonderCon. 
Well, sure enough, there it is. And I approached it and that cover is now $55,000. Well, of course, I'm not going to buy it at 55000 I wouldn't buy it at 18000 because it still has the, 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 the giant, uh, you know, flashing red light of, I'm not sure I can get my values, but they're like, but now this is where you say, but life felt it, it, it sold for, for 18 and it did it. It was sold for 18. This guy got it as a result of a trade. Now that's part of the art and the comics world. You can facilitate a trade. Okay. So he is now, you know, saying, well, I got it back in a group trade and, 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 and look, I, I, I learned the art of the trade a couple of years ago. I tried it. I, I love trading art to get art, especially art that you take home and you don't love quite as much as you thought or you anticipated you would, but you understand that it does have value. And especially if you have, uh, you know, if you have, let's say five pages that are all kind of in the $5,000 range and a guy has a $25,000 page that you know he's had for a couple of years, he is more than likely going to do that trade with you and get your five $5,000 pages rather than hold on to his $25,000 page because he feels better that he can sell those five $5,000 pages over the next course of the year, especially given the fact that that $25,000 page has been sitting in his collection for three to four years. So a lot of times I've found they'll take that risk. They will go out on the limb and take that, that risk. So when this guy tells me that he got this cover back, in a trade from the guy that bought it from my guy. So it's, you know, now it's, it's, it's traded hands three times since I decided not to purchase it and was advised by my buddy, you should buy this. Well, again, I love it. I love the art. I just, at $18,000, it, it gave me pause. Now, do I believe given what has happened with the pricing in the last three years alone, that 18, I could have sold that for 36 or 30? Yes. So then I'm money up. So I should have bought it, but I'm not a flipper. I haven't sold any art in a long time, but you're like, but Liefeld, you're thinking about assets and your kids. You're right. 10 years from now, longer down the road. And I'm not sure that everything I just said isn't going to uh, get even more imbalanced in the fact that maybe it becomes the haves and the have nots of art. Maybe the only stuff in the art world, because so much more of it is coming, is going to be the stuff that is the highest value. And then the stuff that is in the mid range, which an 18,000 dollar cover was is going to slide even further because you got to sell that for 55 to convince me that it's worth 55 but more power to you put it up for whatever you want um there's another instance of this with an interior page from iron fist of which those have been emerging when wolverine was in his fang costume i love that story iron fist battled the the x-men maybe it's iron fist 14 don't quote me on that uh, it's when they came back from the Shi'ar. It's Chris Claremont. It's John Burns just nodding by Terry Austin. And some of the faces are even drawn by Dave Cockrum. Well, I turned down that cover at 15. Then it got traded in a trade with a guy I know. And then he turned around and sold it. And it is currently at $50,000. Now, again, I cannot in my mind ever see where I can turn around and sell that page. It is Wolverine in a costume he is not famous in. And he doesn't have his mask on. It's it's the Logan face, which is great. On the art basis, being John Byrne and, and Dave Cockrum art corrects on it, it's got something. But I just it's my personal viewpoint that it's not worth 50. Now, again, the other cover, man, I really I would love to have it. But I wouldn't I didn't buy it at 18. 
and I'm not buying it at 50. So you're like, Lifefield, you've made this about your art purchase. No, no, no. You have to focus on the 18 to now 55. Focus on the $15,000 page that is now 50. And this is, you know, par for the course. There's an Invaders Jack Kirby cover that I had no interest in buying, but it's now 100. It, th those covers used to be 30 and 40. Now they're now they're 100. Now, you guys, I have an extensive art collection myself, so I take these prices and I reflect them back on my own collections. But here's where it gets more personal to you in case you're not into original art. Across from my buddy was a great uh, back issue dealer. Bronze, silver was age. Some modern were, 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 were the focus. And I, I knew that, you know, the first appearance of Moon Knight was driving the werewolf by nights. I believe it's, is it issues 32, 33? The first appearances, it's a two-parter where he battles uh, werewolf by night. It's the story that Moon Knight was introduced in. We did a dedicated Moon Knight podcast a couple weeks back telling you all the origins of his creation from his creators, why Moon Knight was even conceived in the first place. Even as a kid, he knocked my socks off. I have these issues. They're in my back issue bins. But I'm curious to see, you know, what they were. And before I put my glasses on, for everything to come in focus, I asked the guy, I said, what are you asking for this? He says, well, the 32 is uh, the first appearance of Moon Knight in Werewolf, Werewolf by Night. Is uh, That's around a 6.5 grade. It's not graded, but but that's the condition. It's in this Mylar. He goes, and that's, uh, that's $3,000. And then that 33 uh, or 34, if, if my numbering's off, uh, the second appearance, which is my, my, actually, I like that issue better. Um, but, but he's like, that's, that's more like a, a four, like it's a not in great shape. Um, and I'm asking, I'm asking like, you know, 400, $400 for that. And I'm sitting there and then he makes the off the cuff remark. This gentleman says, I mean, and these were like $20 books a year ago. These were like $20 books a year ago. And then I say, well, what about that moon night? Number one, what about that moon night? Number one? He's got it marked at three, 300. I have a couple of those. I have the Bill Sienkiewicz Moon Knight number one that was in 1980. And he says, yeah, that, that's kind of a mid-range. You know, it's probably a six, but yeah, I've got it up there at 300 bucks. And, you know, I mean, that was a $15 book a year ago. Okay, so you may be listening going, man, that Werewolf by Night has been a couple hundred bucks in my store for years. Great. Moon Knight got announced a while back. But what he's saying is this stuff has so radically accumulated value. Now, obviously I can see this with the prices of New Mutants 98, New Mutants 87, uh, X-Force 11, uh, X-Force 1, certain trading cards. I mean, I've, I've, I've seen it. I've seen the, the books go from 300 to 600 to 750 to 800 to 1,000. There was a raw New Mutants 98 that the retailer wanted for 1,000. And I said, are those going for a thousand? And he said, Deadpool three is on the way. I'm not letting that go for anything less than a thousand. And this isn't graded. This is raw. Okay. Raw for those of you guys who don't know is a non-slab, non-graded. So it hasn't been submitted to either CGC or CVCS. There's no, you know, no plastic casing in it. There's no number on it. So that that's what we call raw. I have a ton of books that are raw. So, so raw interests me. I actually like, you know, um, raw comics because they hold a lot of promise and a lot of potential. And I have friends who have done very well going into the, um, you know, the, the ironing of your comics, the flattening, the, you know, where they, 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 they treat the comic and, 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 and upgrade it via all manner of different secret voodoo potions that they won't let you. Most of them keep them behind the curtain, you know, but, but they can improve 
the grading. And sometimes now that's an option. Okay. And it's not sometimes it's always now an option. Even at the, at, when I did my Florida store tour, they wanted to clear with me that they had CGC witnesses who are going to come in and they call it pressing. We can press your book. We can get it, you know, just like a shirt is wrinkled. We can get those wrinkles out. We can take you to another grade. Okay, great. So I'm sitting there. And when I backed away from my art buddy's wall, and when I backed away from my buddy's uh, comics, because of course he had giant size X-Men number one, he had Hulk 181, so first appearance of the new X-Men, first appearance of Wolverine, he had Titans number two, first appearance of Deathstroke, he had a bunch of the key Jim, uh, uh, John Byrne, Chris Claremont, Uncanny X-Men's, all in the mid hundreds of dollars of ranges, his slabs were multiple thousands, there were $75,000 comics, there were $30,000 comics, you know, uh, first appearance of Venom, um, um, the, uh, he had New Mutants 98, he had New Mutants 87, and I backed away, he had first She-Hulk, he had first, you know, Shang-Chi, Master of Kung Fu, uh, so, so all of these books are there, and I kept doing the math, you know, he's got 10 shelves from floor to ceiling, and I did the math, and I'm like, it's like a million dollar setup, he's got a million dollar setup, and so does that guy, and so does that guy, because I started looking around. And then there's another big giant dealer. And I'm like, that's like a $2 million setup. That's like a $3 million setup. My buddy, the art guy, it's like a $5 million setup, maybe more. What comic conventions and, and these vendors are now showing off to us is the seven-figure collections as a result of what my retailer buddies refer to, the Disney Plus of it all. You know, the movies they say are great, but those Disney Plus announcements... They drive, obviously, you have a week that Moon Knight just launched. So buying anything Moon Knight, you're going to be at fever pitch as anyone who did receive fever pitch pricing, you know, sell high, high, high uh, here at WonderCon this last week. And so one of the themes of today's show is who's next? Who's next? Who's got next? We're going to talk about some creators. I'm talking about some characters. It's, it's too late you know, to get on the ground floor of Moon Knight, you needed to dig those books out, buy those books, you know, earlier. You need to be, be chasing 70s Bronze Age first appearances. Deadpool is a hard book to buy into now. Now, by the way, I did a panel, and at the panel, a guy said, Rob, I really love that you talk about the values. You seem to enjoy them. And he said, other creators don't. I don't understand the other creators don't stuff. I, I, I'm like, I can't even get my mind into it. But I do know that my... Invincible number one, my walking dead number one, my walking dead number two, my walking dead number four. I know those books are very valuable. They're worth a lot of money. They're worth a fair amount of coin. I bought them cover price and they've escalated to thousands and thousands, you know, of dollars, just like my Michael Jordan rookie card that I bought in 1991 for several hundred dollars. And I thought, this is expensive, but you know what? I'm going to go big on MJ. I'm going to bet on his career and it has accumulated. And I went in and I got it graded and I, and I got it, you know, you know, you know, put in the, in the, in the plastic and, and it's now back away in a safe and it's, you know, there for safekeeping. And, uh, in the same way, that's fun. I have the card. I bought the card because I liked Michael Jordan. I thought what he was doing was fantastic. I wanted to get that card because I had heard some buzz about it. And now, all these years later, you know, I, I'm I'm really glad that I went in on it. It has a greater value as, assigned to it. It's fun that the comics that we bought for $0.25, cents, $0.35, cents, and maybe you bought them from $10 or $20 or $30. If you bought a dead... Okay, New Mutants 98, 
in 2015, you were probably getting somewhere between $150 to $300 based on that, you know, uh, condition of the book. I know that because of the movie, those values were going up. Obviously, now, you know, you can sell that same book in the $500 to $600 to $700 range. So, because there's a desire for it. And the people who have been sitting on the fence who want to pull the trigger, you know, there's only X amount of inventory. And if you have it, you can kind of make sure that that if you bought it in 2015, if you now decide to sell it, you know, it's going to be a good investment. Now, here's where I'm going to give you my opinion side. I'm not going to come at you like I know something that you don't. That's what I don't like in the the the, the kind of the wizard stockbroker mentality aspect. But I will tell you that for absolute certain, 100%, that, uh, you know, characters like Deadpool and Venom are here to stay. They're long-term. You know, there is hundreds of Deadpool, Funko Pop, action figures, uh, merchandising, same same with Venom, who's hot on their heels, kind of the one character in the 2000s that I would put into this realm is obviously is Miles Morales, you know, another Spider-Man. Anytime you're going to duplicate Spider-Man, I mean, the 2000s really was about the the derivatives and the variants. And I've done a dedicated podcast completely on that, where it became about a Red Hulk, okay, as, as much as it was a Gray Hulk and a Green Hulk. And then, you know, it became about, you know, Lady Deadpool and Kidpool as opposed to Deadpool. And, and it became about Spider-Gwen. And, uh, you know, Venom has all the different symbiote spinoffs. And, 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 and then, you know, it went from Green Lantern to Blue Lantern to Pink Lantern to Yellow Lantern. And, and the Lanterns really are the most obvious example of derivatives. My, my, again, me, myself, my very first contribution to comic books that was meaningful was, you know, doing a new version of Dove that has now been around longer than the Dove that she replaced was. So the male Dove was only around for about 18 years. Dove is, you know, in the 35 plus years. So which investments are you going to try and get to in under the who's next? I'm going to tell you right now, early image books do not look beyond early image books. I don't know from what studio. Um, you got to do your, you got to do your research on that. You know where is the catalog? What do they have to exploit? Um, are they Mama's number one? Are they are they in a group of already valued characters and are going to have a hard time getting up to the top? Or are they with creators who have the ability to steer the uh, the the fates of those characters? and get them to you with name directors, name actors. You read, uh, we've all read the last, I believe it's five years. I believe it's five years this summer that Todd McFarlane told us he was making his Spawn movie. And he announced at a big, you know, uh, panel and, and, uh, and we've been waiting for updates for five years since he announced they made the two Venom movies. Um, and we are, and, and, and you would think that the, you know, that would speculate. I would not be surprised tomorrow if I opened up and read that finally there's been a big giant deal and maybe Todd is directing, maybe he's not, maybe he stepped back. Why am I bringing you up Spawn? Spawn is a very popular character from the 90s. He's one of the most popular characters uh, in, in the image catalog. Youngblood, I get questions this week at WonderCon. I got questions all the time. Youngblood is the one uh, really big asset uh, creatively in my catalog that I can't, that I do not have uh, a creative input in any longer. So I can't be a walk alongside that property. 
but every single comic book character that I control in the extreme universe of characters is being discussed currently. The phone rings off the hook, the discussions with producers and actors, but you wouldn't know that because that's not made public. You do know about Prophet and Jake Gyllenhaal and Sam Hargrave. That stuff's made it out to you. And and we've done a fairly good job of giving you progress report. Prophet is moving in the right direction. I signed a lot of Youngblood number twos. Um, that's just my reality. Do I believe we are finally at the place in the culture where Savage Dragon could be made exactly the way we all would love Savage Dragon to be made? I do. I believe that is a reality. I believe prior to what's going on with special effects right now, um, I don't think even 10 years ago you could have done that, but I think you could do it now with the proper CGI, with um, with an actor that does mocap. I think Savage Dragon could possibly be the most uh, valuable of all of the properties. Somewhere within Savage Dragon and Peacemaker, uh, there, there, there's, a, there's a cross kind of pollination of appeal, and I think it would just blow up. I think it would just absolutely 100% explode. Okay, so look, um, whatever else is out there, you know, maybe you have a robust collection, you bought a lot of everything. So if like me, if something clicks, if Master of Kung Fu, Shang-Chi happens, I've got that. I pull it. Okay. And I got Jim Starlin to sign it back in 2017 and I sent it into CGC. Yes, of course I participated in that. You know, um, I, I don't have any of my uh, uh, expensive Moon Knight stuff that went in. But I got my Eternal stuff in. I got my She-Hulk. Again, these are copies that I bought off the spinner rack myself. So I'm with you in that regard. Um, that, that, that there's stuff that goes up and goes down. And it does seem like every single aspect of the, you know, streaming components that we have out there. Platforms, the Netflix, the Amazon, the Hulu, the Disney Plus, HBO Max. They're all Peacock, Paramount. Oh my gosh, there's so many of them. All of those... Uh, are, are, are buying up right and left. So it's almost like it's too much to follow. I'm going to tell you right now, I had an epiphany this weekend. You know, there are certain, I was told by somebody that there was an upcoming Marvel show. It has, it's not out yet, but they don't see the pop there. They don't see like the interest, like with it, with, with the same amount of lead time that say a She-Hulk or a Moon Knight had, this is the words of my retailer, that they're not seeing with this other character that I'm not going to mention. They're not seeing the same run on that character given that the character has been advertised cast that they've shot it there there's a trailer and they're wondering if that's if that's going to have the same run well here's what i realized with everything that is coming out now and so much to watch and consume in terms of live action media alone uh i'm not going to i'm not going to watch it all just like i don't buy it all just like i don't read it all i don't buy every marvel comic i never have they were the comic company i supported the most but i don't buy every Marvel comic. It's not possible. And so I will not be watching every Marvel streaming show. There is one show I have already not watched one single frame of. Maybe if you can go down back and figure out you've listened, you've like, yeah, Liefeld never mentioned that show. I, I did not watch it. I will not watch some of these upcoming shows. I just will not be able to watch all of them. Yes, I watched Moon Knight. Yes, I enjoyed it. Yes, we, we can talk more about it when there's more episodes. Um, I thought it was a big swing. Um, I, I loved the indie, really kind of the indie aspect take to it because that's what I dig. But here's the deal. You know, I can't possibly watch all the Marvel content. I never have. I didn't watch Cloak and Dagger. Um, 
you know, when it was on, I didn't watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I caught all the Netflix stuff, but as it expanded, I didn't watch Hellstorm, the, the, the Damien Hellstorm, the, the, that, that show that was, was it on FX? I'm not sure. I didn't watch all of Legion. Again, this is, this is not new for me. I cannot consume all of the Marvel product. I cannot consume all of the DC product. It's just not possible for me, but it may be for you at your 20-year-old, your 30-year-old, but you know, a lot of the guys who I see who are bringing me books to sign and they, and I see what's in their stack and what they're taking to the next guy to sign. Got to be honest, these are guys in the late 30s, 40s, they're in their 50s, they've got their disposable income. This gets back to these high volume million dollar setups. The average retailer, as he puts those giant size X-Men number ones, those Hulk 181s, those first appearance of Electras, the, the, the amazing Spider-Man 300s, um, the New Mutants 98, uh, 187, whatever there is, Youngblood 2s, Spawn number one, Youngblood number one, all these books that they put on their wall. Uh, She-Hulk, Moon Knight, if I didn't already say that. Uh, the, the accumulative value of these books, and, 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 and especially if they have one or two of each, the, these this is contributing to these giant, I mean, the, it's like when you go into the antique store and they're like, don't touch that. Like every single retailer is now handling somewhere in, especially if they are dealing in bronze age to current, it's, it's a potential million dollar booth you're in. You are standing in million dollar booths, especially the artwork. These are million dollar displays. And I'm just telling you that because it is just incredible. And to, and to kind of dovetail and wrap it up, what everyone looks to, and I said this, I'd said I'd mentioned the auctions. In the original art forum that I am that has thousands and thousands of people weighing in all the time, they're like, hey, I don't understand why this Hulk 181 and this giant size X-Men number one is currently at like $75,000 and it's more than this. The guy actually had a, you know, uh, a cover, a Wolverine cover by Jim Lee and he's saying, why is this more? It's currently, I don't know the guy who made the the thread, but it's there. And, and, and I, I did not interact with it, but I read everyone's responses. And the guy goes, dude, people want their slabs. They really do. And the guy said these auctions, and this is what the guy who has the cover that I wanted that went from 18 to now 55. He says, Rob, the auction houses are bringing greater and greater awareness. That secret wars, black Spider-Man costume sale alerted brought eyeballs to collectibles and comics in a way that there has never been before the buy-ins here's here's i I said said you 20 minutes the floor is high in real estate especially in southern california it's not going back down not that's the prevailing notion and we've been in a pandemic we have come out of a pandemic for two years and so the prices did not go down they went up in the collectible market the floor right now is likely not going to drop are you going to get a moon night first appearance cheaper in six weeks two months when the show wraps and the heat dies down a little, yes, but that, that buy-in price is going to be higher from this point on than it was a year ago. It's not going back to a year ago. It's just these these values are here to stay. Original art, original comics, they, they the, the floor is steep and the buy-ins are not going to get cheaper. So if you're deciding to buy in on comic books, raw, graded, whatever, you need to start pulling those triggers. That's my loving advice to you. Otherwise, just stand on the sideline and and, and watch. So guys, I didn't leave with any art at WonderCon. I chose to not participate. Now, there is a giant auction coming up this week. There's a giant heritage auction. It's the first since the big $3 million sale, and I talked about it on this show. And I mean, collectibles and, and values are something that we love. Again, getting back to the Michael Jordan card, 
getting back to these first appearances, Walking Dead. Imagine, you know, having a bunch of those Walking Deads that you bought off the stand 20 years ago. And now, wow, the value, the desire for those is off the charts. Same with Invincible. I'm not sure where the boys are at. It's got to be high. Everything's got to be high. It's just prevailing notion. First appearances, first and early appearances are always going to drive this market. That's what people want. That is what they desire the most, okay? Your Harley Quinns, um, your, your, your Venoms, your Carnages, your Deadpools, your Cables. The 90s and the 70s is robust with this stuff. And like I said, if you want to go and do, you know, do, do, do an investigation. Some guys tell me Youngblood 2. I can speak to myself. They're saying it's a $30, $35 buy-in right now, okay? That's not expensive. $30, $35 is not expensive, okay? Um, you want to get that before it goes to 75, 100, and it will, and it's going to, and, 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 uh, but, but because you're talking to somebody who's not going to rest until he sees this vision through, just like I know without telling you that Eric Larson and Todd McFarlane are going to do the same. And Robert Kirkman's going to continue to push what's in his catalog and Marvel's not going away. I just don't know. So, so yes, American Chavez, the Dr. Strange appearance that's picking up heat. People want to know if that's got, they say, if it's got legs, we don't know. Now, there's going to be a secondary component, an episode I've been holding off doing that I think at the very least will entertain you, but we will get to that at another time. And it's when I talk in depth to you guys about how many, uh, uh, when it gets down to characters and then just raw appeal. I have opinions on this. I've held them to myself. I'll be getting to that in an upcoming episode. So hang on to your hats. Uh, hopefully there'll, there'll be some science involved. Now th this episode is who's next. So, so, so I talked about comics and creators and I mean, I've talked about characters and first appearances and values on comics, but I really look back hard and, 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 and long at, uh, <laughs> is this a sex show? I, I'm looking back, uh, at, 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 at the people who are generating what I believe to be long-term interest creators that you should definitely buy in and follow. Now I have whittled my criteria to 10 years. You have got to have been on my radar, have done something in the last 10 years. So, so right now that's 2012. If you've been in the business in 2009, 2008, 2010, that's 12 years. No, I, I tried to try to make it in the last decade. A lot of guys, they get their sea legs under them and they, and they take off me and my peer group. We all kind of managed to pop. I use myself obviously as an example all the time. Cause I've lived it and I've watched it with my peer group. We all popped within like five years. Nowadays, some guys are taking 10 years. It's taken a little longer. That's why I'm going to, I'm going a decade, but I, all of these guys that I'm going to tell you about today are guys that are absolutely crushing it. Okay. And, uh, to keep this train rolling, the guys who I believe who are the next, who are you, who we are watching come of age right now. So, so I always talk about my peer group. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to pivot to the directors that came of age in the nineties. Uh, the Quentin Tarantino, the Paul Thomas Anderson, uh, the, the, the Robert Rodriguez, those three guys were tearing up the space, uh, with, 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 uh, all of their, you know, uh, you know, early, early, early successes. Um, but, but, but whether it was Reservoir Dogs or Pulp Fiction or whether it was, you know, Desperado, um, El Mariachi, whether it was uh, Boogie Nights and beyond. I mean, everything that these guys did excited people. They were bringing audiences. They were, they were, they were demanding and making buzz and you wanted to see what they would do next. You immediately were waiting to see what is their next project. And then you went and saw that you went and saw Jackie Brown. Okay. You, 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 you kept it going. 
Um, you went and saw Magnolia, okay? And like I said, El Mariachi, the Desperado, the Once Upon a Time in Mexico, the Spy Kids. I mean, they created this excitement about the work that they did. And as directors, you can only do X amount of work. It's easier as a comic book artist to put out a larger, larger body of work because you can get to people every 30 days. Obviously, movies take nine months to a year. Then there's the marketing, there's the selling, there's the, the, the window of time that they're playing in the theater. So who are these guys right now? So in the last 10 years, who do I think are the guys that you should be investing in the most? I'm going to start with who I believe is one of, if not the most dynamic voices currently in the comic book industry. And this guy has been on a mother of a tear for the last five years, five, six years max is when he came on to my uh, uh, awareness. He is Daniel Warren Johnson. Holy crap. Is this guy my cup of tea or what? Daniel Warren Johnson. I came to know him on a book and I, I know it seems prejudiced called extremity. Okay. And, and, and he put that out through image comics and, uh, skybound Robert Kirkman, I believe was the, the, the imprint through that, that it was put out through image comics. And from the beginning they had they had shoulder pads, they had knee pads, they had giant guns, it had tons of action. Um, it was uh it, it it was it was exactly my cup of tea. There was ponytail dudes, there was there was dudes with beards. Um uh extremity was fantastic. I never missed an issue. Um, I thought this was a really a, 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 a voice. I could see the manga in him, I could see the um the 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 Eastern influences, all manner of different anime and, and, and manga, uh, uh, storytelling techniques and styles that he was participating in. Um, the, 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 he inks his own work. He, he does it all. He does it on paper. I've watched him sketch at the New York comic con. I have been blown away. I, I, I love how his brushes and, and, and the brush strokes and the, uh, and, and the pen and, and he's not afraid to get thick and chunky and energetic in the in the in the in the, in the body of work it moves. Um, he followed up Extremity with a project called Murder Falcon. Murder Falcon, and that's like Shazam with a giant falcon. And I'm just gonna leave that there for you. That that literally it's 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 like a body swap or magical transformation, and it's a it, it has to do with heavy metal rock bands. Um, and, and look, the name itself, Murder Falcon, that was his immediate follow-up to Extremity. And I kept waiting, like, this guy is tearing it up on the independent scene. And he did some covers for, uh, I believe he did some covers for Cable that were, that, that were funny, that, was, or, that were exciting uh, over at Marvel. And, and, and then the next thing I know, this dude is doing Wonder Woman Dead Earth. It was a black label uh uh, uh, futuristic Wonder Woman tale. It very much, uh, if, if someone were to say that it was the Dark Knight of Wolverine, uh, 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 it was the Dark Knight of Wonder Woman, you would you would say that's not wrong. That's not wrong. Um, it was a futuristic tale. I don't want to tell you all the clever stuff, the the inherent the the, the, the fates that he revealed for Batman, the Batcave, uh, Superman. It is fantastic. I bought them each as they came out. I bought it as a hardcover. I am looking at it right now. He has a Wonder Woman Superman fight. You're like, yeah, Wonder Woman Superman, they always fight. Not like this. Not this good. This is excellent. It's fantastic. It's um he's got big, broad vision. He thinks in two hundred million dollar budgets. He's not scared to um have Wonder Woman flying against three hundred missiles in the sky, um, giant megawatt explosions, um, then 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 you know, violent fisticuffs with with Superman. 
you feel again the nin the 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 manga anime action is 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 palatable and i love the way he inks and draws his his brush strokes his pen lines it's gritty it's um it, you could feel the textures but but his storytelling is fantastic his imagination is even bigger there is definitely a kind of what if dark knight kind of scale to wonder woman but it's bigger cuz cuz he had to go bigger you can't go smaller than what happened with with Bruce Wayne and, and Batman and, and 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 Frank Miller's vision, but he he goes bigger, much bigger. It's it's violent. It's very exciting. I cannot uh, uh, recommend Daniel Warren Johnson anything he did. He went he did Beta Ray Bill for Marvel. I think he's pivoting back to an independent project. I didn't get it before I came on air. That's enough. I've already given you enough that you can dine out on Daniel Warren Johnson, understanding exactly what I am getting excited about. He should be. Uh, so an artist that definitely is on your radar. Um, he's productive, uh, prolific, and and he is an a. I, I I just absolutely believe that he is going to continue to excite us for years and years to come. So do not sleep on Daniel Warren Johnson if you're already picking up his work. If you already have Extremity and Murder Falcon and Wonder Woman and Beta Ray Bill and all that stuff, good for you. Good on you. Enjoy those books. Keep them coming. Please, Daniel, you're fantastic. I love you. I told you how much I loved you. Uh, I think 2019 New York Comic Con. And since then, you've just continued to explode and, and expand and blow my mind. And I, I'm so grateful that you are making comics. So then next, we are going to do three and one, the what we call the Kayfabe Boys, Pittsburgh's finest. This is Ed Piscor, Tom Scioli, and Jim Rugg. I love these guys. Not only do they do a kick-ass podcast, video cast, um, but their art. Ed, I, I came into Ed's stuff in 2014 with hip hop, uh, his hip hop comics, his history of hip hop. And I, I, as you guys have seen in my Instagram, having gotten to know the guys from Wu-Tang Clan, Method Man, got, having gotten to know, um, you know, uh, uh, Easy e and, and, and those are just some of the myriad of, of hip hop talents, R&B guys that I've, I've met. He did a comprehensive breakdown history of 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 uh of hip hop and it was by fanographics and i really feel like he breathed, he alone breathed new life into them his new project red room which has been going on through the pandemic uh is brilliant it's more of a, a, a serial killer horror comic the thing about ed his work is detailed again he's doing it on the boards he's doing it with his pen his quill his ink his nib um his brush it's it's like Daniel Warren Johnson. You can feel the textures. You can feel the 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 grit of the line. There's a there's a common commonality here with the guys who I really dig. It is detailed. There's no storytelling that he's not scared to um to take on. He very much lives. He's like if R. Crumb had become a mainstream superhero artist, comic book commercial artist. I think Ed is very commercial. Um his people, his faces, he loves to play with tones and, 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 and use t uh, tonal effects that he gets from the computer that he puts on the scans of his line art after the fact, instead of cutting them out and doing them the way my age did with duotone and zipatone sheets that you bought from the technical, the, the architecture store. Um, the, 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 the red room and, and, uh, he also did this comprehensive volume of the history of the X-Men that I got each and every issue from Marvel comics 
Um, the, it, he, it's the connective tissue that puts him and Tom Scioli. And if it's Scioli, forgive me, Tom. I, I forget if it's Scioli or Scioli. I'm trying. I get it both ways here. So don't be angry with me. Um, Tom's been around a little longer, but he did not come on my radar and smack me in the face until his work on Transformers, G.I. Joe, which I'll get to in a minute, but wrapping up with Ed Piscor. His history of the X-Men was in giant, the same giant kind of graphic novel size that these Daniel Warren Johnson uh, Dead Earth issues were and the hardcover. So the connective tissue between all four names I'm giving you are they've all done these giant album stuff where they're going to be reprinted in album size. And they've done stuff that's album sized. Um, but but Ed, uh, the, the history of the X-Men was meticulous going through uh, just, just what a joy to behold him partaking and telling you about all of the different success that he, uh, that, that the X-Men franchise had over all the many years. It was so fun. It was fun to in, 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 watch him go big time Marvel. And, uh, and then again, he pivoted then back to his indie roots with Red Room. He, again, I love his faces, his figures, his special effects, his storytelling. It is always having a tremendous amount of fun in it and it shows. Um, Again, he's like got the best aspects of the gritty underground guys and really indie instincts. And then he can put it in a really mainstream, you know, distribution of his work on the page and and, and, and and delivery service. Like the final product is so palatable. It's so commercial. I love Ed. I'll be following him the rest of my life. Tom blew up Transformers and G.I. Joe was a, a thing that IDW put out, I believe, in 2013 or 2014. 14 and it blew me away and and without that work I don't believe that I can also get in and make some noise on the GI Joe franchise it was that riveting that inspirational um it was a free comic book day I think it was Transformers GI Joe 0 and the imagery the bold it's it's again it's got some J Jack Kirby-esque applications to his uh figures and his storytelling but again, I'd seen some of his ash cans. He did some, I think Godland was something that he had done. Of course, I'm aware of it. I have it. But this was new Tom. It was Tom who found his sea legs. Transformers, G.I. Joe. Every issue, every cover blew me away. The bold, uh, just, just power in his work. The action. It feels like if Jack Kirby had somehow reincarnated and stayed alive. Tom also has very indie instincts as well. He does a lot of uh, he's very experimental. That's the word I'm looking for. Experimental with his layouts, his designs. Another guy with bold brushwork, line work. Um, it's gritty. He, as of this time, I, I believe he is on the boards. That just blew my mind. I was so enthralled by the work that he did on Transformers G.I. Joe and unlocked my own imaginations and revealed more possibilities and said if this is I need to be bolder if I ever do anything with these characters I was I was excited I was able to do a cover for one of those books when it was coming out and I was so excited that I was involved in any way Tom is bold and and, and innovative with color he loves to color his own pages um oh he's spectacular so here's the deal he then goes on and like Ed does a history of the Fantastic Four. And that was released. I got them in comic book size and reprinted in album size. And uh, you guys, it is a treat being the giant Stan, Jack, Ben, Reed, Sue, Johnny, you know, Dr. Doom fan that I am. He 
produced a comprehensive, beautiful, I mean, almost like Fantastic Four for dummies, X-Men for dummies. That's kind of also how they, they, these operate in the best possible way, okay? They, 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 they are brilliant works of art, but they do not let any information or, or detail escape them. And so Tom went on to do his own history of the Fantastic Four, just like Ed had done the history of the, you know, X-Men, which brings us to the brilliant Jim Rugg, two G's, R-U-G-G. All these guys share a space, a studio in Pittsburgh, by the way. You can tell that they feed off a shared mutual energy, love, passion. Again, they have a comic book, Kefabi uh, website, uh, 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 podcast that you guys should be listening to. I was fortunate enough to do an interview with them a couple of years ago. They almost moved me to tears. They were like my own personal Diane Sawyer, Barbara Walters, but it's the art. It's the art that I love these guys for. Jim, I came to uh, get, get get some graphic novels of him, Street Ang- Angel, Street Angel, kick-ass skateboarder girl. Jim draws with ballpoint pens. He draws with uh, all manner of different experimental tools. He'll draw a notebook paper. Um, he did some choreography and some action scenes in Street Angel that I have desperately wanted to steal, but I can't. It would be, I, it would be so tied to exactly what he did. He's brilliant, but the concepts behind the action choreography that he did uh, is something that I need to continue to examine because it was fresh and it was original. I love Jim's work. All three of these guys uh, inked some pages with me. I actually interacted with them and asked them to participate in my last issue of Snake Eyes, issue five, which I had different people jam and ink over me. Um, and uh, uh, I mean, that's how much I love these guys. I've also asked each one of them to do a page for my upcoming Profit Remastered where they each redrew a page. But it's so funny. You haven't seen Jim's page yet, but, but Jim really went uh, like as as out there experimental and I loved it. It was fantastic. Ed's page is beautiful. Um, the art is outstanding. But Jim from Street Angel to all the different independent projects that he has participated in to then he now has a history of the Hulk book through Marvel. So all three of these guys, Pittsburgh's finest, these young guns. And when I say young, 30s, 40s, hey man, it's way younger than me. So I call them young. The last 10 years, these guys have been burning up this history of the Hulk that is out right now that is going to do the same thing with the history of the Hulk that Ed did with the history of the X-Men that Tom did with the history of the Fantastic Four. But they but they all, again, have these wonderful independent bodies of work. If you go into your comic store like I did uh, at one of the last signings and I got all of a Street Angel, uh, Jim Rugg has um, hard-covered, made albums, all different uh, editions, formats, ash cans. So, so... This Hulk just started launching. Please get on board. If you've never heard of Jim Rugg, he'll be new to you. Tom Scioli, never, Scioli, he'll be new to you. Ed Piscor, hopefully new to you. Daniel Warren Johnson, four guys. I cannot promote enough. Daniel Warren Johnson, Ed Piscor, Tom Scioli, S-C-I-O-L-I, be be, be easy on me, Tom. I know I have a name people butcher all the time. And Jim Rugg with two Gs. These guys are phenomenal. They're uninhibited. They're bold, they're daring, they're experimental, they have tremendous energy. I feel like these are the few, the, our, the comics business is in great shape. They are the future of our business. Each guy has some serious indie cred coming from indies like, like me and so many of my peers did, like Eric Larson, like Jim Valentino, and, 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 and we just let it rip once we got into the mainstream, but we always go dip back and forth, back and forth. I, I believe these guys are bold. They are not beholden to giving you the latest hot variant cover trend. 
They do interiors. I am a sequential snob. I want you to draw interiors. All, all four of these guys dine out on big time, um, big time. Uh, they, they, each one of them dine out on big time interior sequential work. They tell stories. That's what I love. They're not out trying to buy 10 variant covers, which is great. If that's your model, that's great. I'm into sequentials. I want your sequentials. I want to see what you're doing with the page, what experimental layouts and breakdowns and formats that you're, that you're applying that can excite me at my old age as both a participant consumer and as an artist. So you guys, that's who I got next. Okay. Uh, above and beyond. These are the guys that turn my crank. These are the guys that excite me. I'm happy to bring them to you and share them with you. Um, I am just not as aware of the kick-ass female talent that is out there. Uh, don't try and paint me in any certain light. I have a dedicated Elf Quest uh, podcast and Wendy Peeney was as inspirational to me in the period that ElfQuest was going on. And I did a dedicated ElfQuest podcast completely dedicated to Wendy, who was writing and drawing and inking and publishing and painting. She is a phenomenon. I have not seen her equal in years and years and years. I buy art. I don't buy, you know, male art or female art. I just buy it. So, you know, the fact that there's four guys that I'm pitching you today, these are the four guys whose work reaches me. Um, they really inspire me. Uh, the you know, there's a lot of commonality in each one of their games. They're bold. Each one of them has a manga kind of application of their work. Some more than others, but it's there for all of them. Some have. I mean, Ed is almost like a film director. I see cinematically so much of what he's doing. Anyway, these guys are the best. Uh, please seek them out. Try their workout. This is who I've got next. This is who I would pick building my squad. I have. I've in, I've, I've incorporated a lot of them. Asked them to participate with me on different projects. So and and, and hopefully uh, look forward to, to 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 collaborating with them more in the future as well as meeting the new guys who have and gals who have next. But but for me, whether it's comic books, first appearances, collectibles, characters, we covered that, and creators. That is my kind of download with you today. I hope you enjoy it. I hope it takes you at least one of these names and, and one of these characters or first appearances takes you to a new place. And if so, I will have done what I set out to do when I clicked on this mic today. And I am thrilled uh, to have shared this time with you guys. And as I you know, open today's show, I'm going to once again, thank you so much for listening. Thank you for being a fan. Thank you for participating. So there you have it in regards to who's got next who's got next characters uh who's got next creators i just love these guys i love these characters i love these comics i'm so passionate i hope you guys check out their work i hope you guys get out on the ground floor some of these books take my word for it they're not going backwards they're not going backwards the prices on this stuff is still going up so if you want venom get in if you want harley when you got to get in because the chances are i mean look for those deals and steals absolutely but 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 they're they're really honestly they're just going to continue to accumulate. You guys, at the end of every show, I read your um, amazing messages and support that you give this show. At the end of every um, 
episode, uh, whether you send it to me on whatever, so, uh, through Apple or, or through the website or, or, or through Instagram or Facebook, I read your messages and your support. I appreciate it so much. We need, uh, when you guys leave them on the apps, actual like Apple or the platforms like Spotify, it helps us, um, stand out again so much. And I appreciate all that you guys do. I'm going to read today. Um, this is from Brent McKee, M C K E E Brent writes, I've been listening to observations, really enjoy it. It reminds me of getting together with friends at conventions and talking comics. I kind of live in the middle of nowhere. So this is filling something that I forgot I needed so much. Thank you, Rob. Brent, that is straight from the heart. You shot me straight in the heart with that one. I get it. I am so there. Uh, again, this, this was born, this was born in the pandemic, my need to talk comics. And I reached out to you guys and found you guys and you guys found me and I'm so thankful for it. Thank you so much for your kind words, Brent. You guys leave me those, um, reviews, the five stars. Uh, I, I, I share them at the end of every show, just like I read, read Brent McKee's, um, very kind brief, kept it brief, but I get it. it it's, it's so sweet and it, um, it, it just, it lifts me up. It tells me that I should uh, should keep doing this. I appreciate it so much. You guys, on social media, I am on Twitter at Robert Liefeld. Full name, R-O-B-E-R-T-L-I-E-F-E-L-D. At Robert Liefeld, I have a blue check. That's where I'm at. Uh, you, can, you can talk to me, all the different interactions that we have. I enjoy it so much. I, I enjoy talking to all of you guys across social media. And Twitter is definitely very chatty, very chatty, Kathy. So I love to, um, talk to you guys there on Instagram. Um, so that was Twitter on Instagram. I am at Rob Liefeld again, blue check, R O B L I E F E L D blue check. That's me. I love talking to you guys, your DMS, your messages, your comments that you leave on the stuff that I share. Um, I just, I just, again, love that we can just speak to each other all over the world. I'm talking to people from Chile. I'm talking to people from Canada. Uh, I, I I mean, it's it's all over the country, all over the world. I love it. You guys can catch me there. This podcast, Observations with Rob Liefeld, has a dedicated fan, uh, Facebook page or Meta or whatever they call it now. So reach out, find us there, leave a comment, um, give us a like, give us your support. It means so much um, that, that you guys just just lend so much of your voices to our podcast, to this podcast, to this show. Thank you so much. This is the time of the show where we commit that we will take care of each other. You're going to eat good food by good food, food you like, have a bag of Cheetos. That's, you know, I put my bag of Cheetos in the safe at the beginning of the pandemic. I just bought two giant things of Cheeto puffs. I'm sure most people already have turned this off. So this is an extra special. Yes. That day that we went into lockdown, did I'm like, Oh no, no one's getting my Cheeto puffs out to the safe. Put them there. Didn't tell anybody don't get into my snack food. Maybe I put some cookies and ding dongs in there too. The, the dad's fast food was off limits. But when I say good food, eat the fun stuff, um, or have a gourmet meal. Read a good comic, read a good book, watch a great movie, stream a great show. You guys, relax, enjoy your lives. Um, it's so important, your mental and spiritual and physical self. And I'm right there with you. And please uh, hurry back, circle back so that we can see each other. And we will most definitely talk again real soon. 